0: Welcome to Unapologetic Leadership. I am your host, Dr. Marcus Belen. I am a principal, a father of three, a husband, and I am driven by my passion of educating young people. The goal of this podcast is to expose the listeners to practical concepts and ideas through the lens of practitioners who are doing the work every single day for kids. You see, we as educators make decisions for our kids and our staff. And if we make decisions that we believe are in the best interest of our kids and our staff, we should be proud, we should walk tall, and be unapologetic in our leadership. Topics such as diversity, equity, and inclusion, school culture, student voice, and leadership experiences are among some of the content you will hear. This is just honest and truthful conversation. These messages are meant to be impactful for those who need it, as well as those who are put into positions that impact the lives of young people. It's time to strengthen the pipeline for educators. It's time to dismantle systemic issues and bolster school culture where our youth are seen and heard in the learning environment of their schools. So let's begin to explore and journey through unapologetic leadership. What's up, listeners, and thank you for joining me for another episode of Unapologetic Leadership. I am with a great friend of mine uh, through Illinois Principals Association is where we met. And when I moved up to, to Huntley, um, just got a little bit more connected with this guy. Brett McPherson, uh, it's so great to have you on Unapologetic Leadership.
1: Welcome. Hey, thanks, man. I feel like I'm in the uh, presence of greatness hanging out with you, the IPA president, You're <laughs> You're all that in a bag of chips, Marcus.
0: No, man. This is I'm just giving to the association it gave to me, man. Uh I'm um, following in your footsteps as past president. So I, I appreciate the work you've done. Um, but man, tell tell the listeners what's what who is Brett McPherson? What do you what do you do? Who
1: are you and where are you where are you located? Man, that that's a, that's a loaded question right there. I uh <laughs> I'm the principal of Belvedere Central Middle School. I just finished year three here in District 100. Um, Before that, I was in the Genoa Kingston School District for 11 years, which is where um, we lived and where my kids went to school. Um, I've got, my youngest just graduated high school from uh, Genoa Kingston. She's headed off to the University of Colorado in August. That's awesome. I've got twin 22 year olds, Callie, my daughter graduated from UW lacrosse in May and my son CJ will start year five at UW Oshkosh next year. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully do a little bit of student teaching. He wants to be a PE teacher. So, oh,
0: that's um, time to roll some people off the payroll, huh?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got to create an opening or, or call in some favors with some friends, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. No, oh, and I, So 24 years in education, 16 as an administrator, um, mostly all in Northern Illinois. And uh, really it just comes down to, I chase my kids around and hang out with them as much as I can and, and try to do the best I can for the students at Belvedere Central Middle School. And there's not a whole lot more to, my life's pretty boring outside of those things, honestly.
0: Well, I mean, that'll keep you busy, especially all the kids you got. And I mean, your energy and just being able to connect with 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 young people is is awesome. So between family life and school life, I'm sure life is pretty busy. Um, and, and for the listeners, like, I just tell people, like, this is just honest. We are on Zoom connecting and Brett is like in his office hanging out and I'm slacking. I'm at home.
1: <laughs> well, if I if I had a home, I'd be home too. I'm just, I'm in between houses right now. This is the only place I could do it.
0: It's okay. It doesn't surprise me, man. Coming out of a a pandemic, of course you're going to be transitioning and doing a whole bunch of stuff. So uh, Brett is a man that's on the move, but um, definitely has a, a a passion for uh, for the profession and a passion for young kids and uh, definitely uh, somebody to learn from, which is why I got you on here. So um, man, uh, Tell us a little bit, I mean, 24 years in education, man, that's that, that's a lot. Like, I have a lot to learn. That's double of the time that I've been in, and, you know, I'm always looking for people to learn, and a lot of people that listen to this podcast, I mean, there's a, a slew of people, I mean, some that are aspiring and some that have been in, uh, in education for a while like yourself, but uh, tell us a little bit about your school, your school district, in terms of your culture, um, and, and, and how you lead that culture um, of Belvedere Central.
1: Yeah, I mean, District 100's uh, just been an amazing experience. Um, again, I came from a pretty small school district that, um, you know, we, they care about kids, no question about it, but a lot of the status quo going on there. So when I came to Central three years ago, I was hired by uh, Dr. Dan Wiesman and um, immediately saw how progressive this district is. Um, the Central office, um, Dave, Dan Wiesman, Dave Carson, uh, Bill 80, Megan Johnson, uh, just a lot of really smart, innovative thinkers in the central office, and then of course that permeates down to the building level leadership, right? Like so, the culture in our district is, uh, what can we do for kids in 2021? And uh, there's, there's three things, I think, about the Belvedere School District that are a little different maybe than some other places, although there are some similarities with Huntley. I, I feel like Huntley and Belvedere work together on some things, and I feel mm-hmm. like they're pretty similar districts. Yeah, We sure. have about 2,600 high school kids. I know you got more than that, uh, but yeah. we have two high schools, you just got the one. Um, but look, we're a personalized learning district, so our philosophy is, is that not every kid's on the same learning path. Um, we, we don't believe that 30 kids in the in a math class would all be moving along at the same level and at the same speed. Some kids would be moving quicker, some kids might be moving slower and then some kids might be following the normal scope and sequence. Um, and, and then personalized learning also has a lot to do with student choice and student voice, um, having having a really a lot of ownership over their learning process. So I love being a part of District 100 and personalized learning. We're also, a competency-based learning district, um, which what what that means for Central is we're proficiency-based grading at, at the middle school level, which there are not a ton of middle schools doing that. Uh, we made that transition two years ago. So instead of a traditional grading scale, we give um, grades four, three, two, one on all standards in, in each content and in each Encore area. Um, so that's been a huge transition. And then lastly, I just. You know we're, we're a high reliability schools district, which is a Bob Marzano initiative. Um, there's five levels that the uh, schools try to achieve. Central will be working towards level four this year. Level five is a competency based learning um, structure. It'll take us a few years to get to level five, probably, but uh, really proud of the work that we've done there. And now, so, what does that mean for our culture? Uh, you know, you know, I was listening to Faulkner talk the other day on your uh, on your podcast, and. I've Known Brian a long time and always been, I've always been super impressed by his energy. Like yeah. like him talking about how much he loves middle school kids, and 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 Brian he told a story about how his wife said he's a middle schooler himself, and that that just fits him to a T.
0: Yes, it does.
1: <laughs> but, but one thing that Brian said that I think so many of us are, are trying to do is like everything has got to be kid centered, right? Like every single decision we make every piece of data that we analyze um, everything that we do in schools got got to come back to how does it help kids and what does Mm -hmm. it do for the learning environment for the kids so you know the this the the culture at central is really really good which is a testament to our staff um and and all we're trying to do is create great learning opportunities for kids and there's a whole lot of things that go into that um but, but that's our culture man we're we're all about kids every single day that's that's what central all about
0: yeah that's what's up man um you know you you said a, a a lot of things actually that were um uh were key nuggets but uh you know we we've been doing competency uh at Huntley and uh kind of started around the same time and um just seeing how just seeing kids uh kind of reflected in the work that they're doing right like they can grasp onto something that they uh, find interest in uh, and that connects them to the content so uh, tell me a little bit about that how do you how do you diversify I guess the uh, or your teachers how do they diversify the content where kids can uh, can be connected to the work and see something that's valuable to them and still learn at the same time
1: yeah that, that's the key right is like how do you how do you provide choice and voice with students especially at the middle school level um, and still keep them on the path where they're they're developing the skills and learning the standards that they need to in order to perform at the next level. Uh Um, I think for us, again, in the proficiency-based grading scheme, um, proficiency is a three. Uh, A a four is something that a student would take what they've learned and apply it outside of the school setting. so once a kid gets to proficiency, they really have an opportunity to take the skill, take the concept, take the standard, and and see what they want to do to try to show the teacher that they're that they're excellent. Um, and so they have an opportunity to take those skills and connect it to their personal lives or connect it to the things that they're interested in. And you know we do not give kids enough credit. These kids come up with the coolest things. Yeah. Um, and, and even, you know, sixth, seventh and eighth graders, you think, oh, they're pretty young to kind of like be driving their own instruction, but they can do it. I've, I mean, I've seen it here. Um, and and that's what we want is we want kids to take the skills we're trying to teach them and apply them outside, because that's what the workforce wants. Right. right. Like They don't want kids that are just good at compliance or just following a checklist. They want kids that uh, can creatively think and apply what they know outside of the normal the normal setting and so that's what we're trying to do all the time with our kids
0: yeah and that take like uh just that alone I mean I always use the analogy of like Google right like in Google they have in their schedule like as part of your job like you work on a project like if 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 you are working on Google Maps and like you're just trying to make it better you may do that because like that's your job and that's what you are assigned to but they give you time to be able to go and do something that you're just passionate about, like I want to figure this out. Like Google Maps was created in a time where somebody could just sit and think, like, "Oh, this would be an awesome app." Like, let me work and develop it, and they have that time. But in competency, um, just allowing kids to own their own learning and say, you know what, I really have a passion for cars. I'm gonna figure out how to explain this mathematical concept using cars and car parts, or you know, racing or things of that nature, which is, which is awesome. And, you know, you're right, we don't give kids enough credit. Um, uh, Down at one of our middle schools, which I thought was pretty cool. um, A kid actually built a race car, like a remote control race car on his own, um, and was able to explain how he did it. Take that and look at the learning standards that we got to get to and say, okay, which ones did he hit? Because he is exemplary at this, and this and this and this and he should deserve the highest grades possible because I mean he created something just off of pure knowledge and what he had and is able to apply it and I think that that's definitely what learning should be. Um, Right
1: and and so that's a huge paradigm shift right like for years in schools we gave them tasks to complete and that would be what told us that they learned the material uh And, and now you know, the analogy we use here a little bit is we're, we're trying to give them a sandbox to play in, see what they come up with, and then then go backwards and say, OK, how does that apply to what they've learned and how does that apply to standards that we're trying to to get kids to learn? Um,
0: but so, it's powerful,
1: man. It's powerful yeah. when kids kids do that. It's so cool.
0: So as as a building principal, as an administrator, how how do you give teachers the sandbox to play in? Right. Because at some point, like you can see, you can, you know, like the end goal, right? Like, you know, exactly like where essentially where you want kids to be, where you want staff to be. When those kids leave your building and go on to the high school, you know what you want to leave your building. How do you give teachers that ability to just say, Hey, I want to try this and I want to do this. What do do you do to lead that, uh, that type of culture and and staff?
1: Well, I mean, it comes back to relationships and culture for sure. Um, And, so you've got to develop some trust and credibility with your staff. And, and then I think it's just part of your daily rhetoric as a school building leader and, and our admin team. So we've got two assistant principals, a dean of students, and two instructional coaches that are in classrooms all the time. And we meet constantly. And, and one of the things we talk about is what what message are we trying to promote to our staff and to our students? And to our staff, we want them to try things and and we we don't. We don't want them to feel like when there's an administrator in their room that they're being evaluated. Um, so you've got to encourage your staff to try different things, to try to get kids to learn and get it out of the evaluative process. Um, and, but, but trust and credibility, man. I mean, like relationships and, and the culture We're we're trying to create a really positive culture where staff can try things and, and try to get kids to learn. So, but, but, you know, so much of what we do in schools comes back to culture and relationships. So you just got to foster that daily.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's critical. Um, uh, you know, and, and I think a lot of why my focus, especially for this podcast, you know, and, and even in the conversations that I've had with other school leaders is somehow always goes back to culture uh, and you can create is a school leader, you, like you had the ability to create whatever type of culture you want and feel and you'll know if it's working, if your staff one accepts it, your students accept it, well really all your stakeholders, if, if they accept it, uh, they may not all sometimes agree with it, especially when you're trying to push the envelope, but like um, you're essentially, if you keep kids at the center, you know, we can be unapologetic in, in what we do um, and I've said that so many times um, and so, you know, talk about talk a little bit about just some of those unapologetic decisions that you made. And, you know, this, I go off the premise of being unapologetic is, it it really talks about, again, if kids are at the center of what we do, why should we apologize? If we know that we had best intentions to do what was best for kids, it just may not have worked out or we had to go back and figure something else out or do something better or had something good come of it. You know, talk about a decision that you made that you felt was unapologetic and you just went with it, regardless
1: of what people said. I think one of one of the shifts we're making at Central, and it's 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 been challenging a little bit. Um, it, so again, a little bit about proficiency-based grading, but we we want to evaluate kids and we want to give them feedback based on performance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so much of what school had been for so long, and so much of what a traditional grading scale promotes, is is compliance and effort. And of course we want our kids to try really, really hard. I mean, there's a lot of research that supports the kids. Kids that put in effort typically perform well. Adults that put in effort typically are successful adults. So of course we want them to try hard. But one of the shifts we're making is we want feedback on performance and we want to evaluate effort separately. You know, when Warmelly and all these guys, Stiggins for, for 25 years have been talking about, well, we should be separating what we call habits of work here in District 100, we should be separating those from academic performance because they're two different skill sets, right? Like as adults, I would love to tell kids that if you just go out and work hard in your adult life, everything will work out. But but the bottom line is that's not how most jobs are. Um, you have to be good at what you do. You have to you have to show what you know. You have to be able to apply what you know. Um, and you have to be good at it. You have to you have to perform. So I. I I hadn't thought about it like in in the in the context of being un- unapologetic about it but that that shift to really focusing on performance show us what you know apply what you know um, and and that that culture that you start to create with the kids and, and that's a tough adjustment for teachers and parents the kids adjust quicker to it than the teachers and the parents do um, but but now you're talking about, it's it's not just about putting in the time and the effort. It we're talking about performing. We're talking about academic performance, and and so that that's when I think you can really see a school and a group of students uh, get to the next level and, and try to achieve their potential.
0: Yeah, and you know when, when kids can um, really get in and and again show show that apply what they know right and be able to perform and and so forth. Like that's ultimately you know, just like you said, what we want to be able to see, especially if they go out into the workforce, or what have you, like, I don't want you to just tell me you could do this, like, show me you can, right? And that's part of just being competent. And um, I always use the analogy of like flying a plane, right? Like, if you had to take a test, and there was a, a, a takeoff test, a flying test, and a landing test and you pass both the takeoff and the flying, but you got a D and failed the landing, a D or an F and failed the landing. Like you're not gonna fly with that person. Like you gotta keep working at it until you get there. Right? And so if you give kids the space to be able to, um, uh, to play and, and figure it out and, and get to a point where they understand it, um, they seem to retain that knowledge a lot more than, hey, here's a Scantron. Here's a multiple right. choice question. And let's get to the bottom of it. Like, man, what did you learn? I learned how to be good at filling in bubbles on a sheet, right? Um, you know, and so that's I think that's what I, I appreciate too about the work and, and and what you all are doing because I know competency for it's it's hard. It's a mindset. It's a mindset shift uh, for, for sure. people who are so traditional of like, I got an A, so I'm good. Like, yeah, you right. got an A that was subjective. Like, I could write an A on a
1: piece of paper and tell you you did good. Um, but- well, and and so what does an A mean, right? Like to the learner and to the parents, like what what does a B mean? What does a C mean? Like we've in, in schools, we've been conditioned to believe that a C is average, a B is above average, and an A yep. is really good. Yeah. But but n- none of that. There's no research to support that. You know, mm-hmm. those. That's a com- completely arbitrary grading system, and so. And and by the way, 75% we call average in schools, but if if you're a baseball player and and your batting average is 750, you're the best player to ever live. If you're a basketball player and you're shooting 75% from the three-point line, you're the best shooter to ever live. So if you're a pilot and you've only landed planes successfully 75% of the time, you're the worst pilot that's ever lived. (laughs) So like we've just been conditioned to buy into this ABC thing. um, And there's really there's really nothing connected to it so we're just trying to constantly get kids to show us what they know you know like Mm -hmm. don't don't go for the a don't just hit these boxes don't hit this checklist like here's the standard show me that you're proficient at it and it's a completely completely different way of looking at it for sure
0: yeah because i just don't i don't want to fail kids because they're just good at you know, being able to read and read a textbook or read a book and be able to score high on a, on a test because they were able to, you know, memorize and maintain the knowledge. Like I, I will take a kid building something and doing a presentation or a, a speech or a project. I'll take that hands down. Even if it was like, ah, uh, okay, you stretch for this one. I mean, it was still an attempt and I feel like that's a little bit better because the kid at least tried to apply knowledge. So, you know, that's, that's, uh,
1: Yeah. And that's, so we call it playing school. Well, right. Like the yeah. kid, and, and I've yeah. got, I've, I've got a kid at home that played school really, really well, whatever the teacher asked her to do, she did. Yeah. And she was really compliant, but when it came to like applying the knowledge to something different, that was difficult for her. Mm-hmm. And if that, if that's, if that's the kind of workforce our kids are going to be subjected to, and, and that's what they're telling us is happening, then we've got to make sure our kids are prepared for that.
0: Yeah. So so I'm going to shift a little bit, um, you know, and talk a little bit about just diversity, equity and inclusion, you know, in your culture and within your building, because Belvedere, I always said like Huntley, when I moved up here, I'm like, man, Huntley is like the last thing smoking before you really hit uh the country <laughs> like right on the other side of my building is nothing but farmland and and animals and so forth and then you go down the road and you see you see belvedere hey you all do have like a, a jeep uh cherokee where they make the jeep cherokee you got the plant out there so like right, that's Chrysler cool. plant yep yeah the Chrysler plant like that's cool and yeah. you got a walmart yeah. you got a Casey's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, well <laughs> but what I, is, I feel what's... like I feel like Belvedere and Huntley are similar. Like you know, they were both more or less farm towns, and then in the mid '90s, when the you know the growth hit, it, there's mm-hmm. subdivisions everywhere. Like everywhere. You know, when I taught at Richmond Burton from '99 to 05 in '99, Huntley High School was like 400 kids, man. And it's yeah,
0: that's not even half my freshman class right now. I, no, it's
1: nuts. It's nuts.
0: <laughs> And, and you all got an got a exit built off of I-90. So I'm like, something is coming big because they don't, the interstate we're doesn't just time. put an exit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we're big time.
0: Okay, big time. well, Amazon's coming to us here real soon. So I'm <laughs> sure you all will get something something here shortly after. But, uh, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion are like, is the big topic within education and kind of what does it look like? But it, sh- it sure looks different in Belvedere than it even does in Huntley. So- uh, can you talk a little bit about that and just how, um, how kids are, are able to see themselves in, in being in a diverse culture or what exposure do they have to it?
1: Yeah. So on the North side of Belvedere, so the, the South and Belvedere high school are on the South end of town, central middle school and Belvedere North high school are on the North end of town. Um, it's a pretty diverse group of kids that, uh, you know, the district has about 40 percent low income we're not quite that high at central but we do have a high number of low-income kids we have like 32 um hispanic background students wow. students who come from spanish-speaking homes but then you know we've got a number of kids that come from very affluent high-end homes as well so we've got we've got a real real dichotomy mix of kids for sure um so i think What we've tried to do at Central is the same thing that a lot of schools you're starting to see. So we'll track data um, for our clubs and for our advanced placement courses. And we we wanna make sure that all kids in our school have access to all types of learning, whether it's advanced placement, regular coursework, encore coursework, Uh, and and we we track that data. Um, We also, we want our students to be involved in clubs and sports because we know the research tells us that when kids are involved in clubs and sports, they perform a little bit better academically. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got some really diverse clubs that we've gotten kids involved in and, and, and we've got a high number of kids involved in clubs. I think the other thing, so we want our staff to reflect our student body. So we, we've tried to bring in more bilingual teachers over the past few years. Part of that is also re- connected to our dual language program. Um, but, but we're trying to have our, you know, we're trying to have our staff and student body mirror each other a little bit. We, we want our staff to be representative of what our students are. So, you know, when we have bilingual staff members and we keep trying to build the number of bilingual staff members we have, um, I think it, I think it creates a a more cohesive culture because our staff and our students kind of, kind of see each other, um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're trying all the things that all the other schools ar- around our area are trying. We're, we're trying to um, promote, you know, the idea that everybody has access to all of our curriculum, whether it's advanced placement or regular ed courses or, mm-hmm. or, or encore courses.
0: Well, and, you know, giving access, right? Giving access to students to, you know, what's available, I think is, um, it's important. I, you know, I always tell the story of, of just knowing about, those higher level courses that are going to be there to challenge me uh, so that I can become competitive and, and be able to do and allowing even some of our students who don't even see that as a possibility, right? Like you got kids who are, they're just in school and it's like, I will take whatever class you put me in because this is all I know, especially for parents who high school is like their furthest level of, for some, not even right they love bit like this is their furthest level of education and so they don't know what they need to get to prepare them for the next um and so just allowing them you know access and showing them like hey this is this is what you all this is what you have this is this is uh the possibilities that you have and, and exposing them to that man is is uh is critical um yeah. you know what what uh uh last question is um just in your time right as a school leader um you have been able to uh to do some awesome things and you've been able to do some things that you just you like man I just want to get better at that what is what's one thing that you have done that you're like man this is great and I love it and I'm glad I did it um and now what what's one thing you want to get better at
1: yeah so I just I think the move to district 100 was so huge for me at in, in terms of I don't know if I was at a crossroads or whatever in my career, but I had been doing kind of the same thing for a long time. And so when I came to Central, honestly, I came to Central because I, it, it, I could still drive from where I lived and it was a bigger school and I wanted to experience some different things. But gosh, did I hit the jackpot, man? I mean, like just such a progressive district, so many cool people to work with, so many forward thinking people. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm just, I'm super, super thankful. I've had the opportunity to work here and work in a personalized learning environment and work with PBG and all those things. And then what was the second part? One thing I got to get better at. Yeah. Well, I don't, it takes me a long time to comb my hair in the morning. <laughs> I mean, like the, the grooming part is, uh, is, is no, I don't know. You know, I'm getting a little older now. And I think um,
0: I could tell by the six hairs that you have on your hair. Cause while the <laughs> listeners can only hear you, I can see you on Zoom. And uh, yeah, it was about six and a half hairs. Yeah.
1: Anybody <laughs> who knows me knows there's a big, gigantic, shiny forehead underneath his hair. Uh, no, getting better. Um, I think, in all honesty, the equity portion. Um, and so just having more knowledge of, what our EL students need, what our low income students need, what our um, special education students need. You know, in a district this size, we have people in charge of those areas, but I, I find myself wanting to be more and more involved just so I can have a better understanding of how we can get those kids, not just access, but how we can get those kids to learn yeah. uh, and what I can do to make sure that everybody feels like this is a, a comfortable and safe place for them.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, Brett, there's a lot of people that are going through uh, that challenge just as you are. Um, You know, there's people who are going into, um, you know, year 25, year 26, year 30, 40, uh, who are having those same questions because we're all at the crossroad. Like 10 years ago, when you mentioned diversity, equity, and inclusion, like there was a whole different connotation than what it is now. You know, a lot has has uh, just because of what society has uh, promoted in terms of what our area of focus should be in schools, Um, you know, and, and society I feel has been at least progressive in moving the topic forward and what we should, like I said, talk about in schools, but uh, just not knowing and just saying, Hey, like, I got to get better at this. I appreciate that. I know, for example, I do. Um, You know, when it comes to race, I'm a little bit further along when it comes to race as opposed to, uh, sometimes just understanding, you know, gender and things of that nature, as we start moving into some of the different labels that um, and and so forth that students uh, um, are recognized by, which I think is awesome, right? Like I, I want every kid, regardless of who they are, to walk into my building and feel accepted. And I and knowing you, Brett, as <laughs> as a school leader, like I'm sure you want the same um, the same as well. Uh, just whoever is coming into um, into Belvidere Central. Uh, but I think it's just acknowledging like, yep, this is an area I need to grow at and continuing to find ways to put yourself in spaces to be able to do that. So I just want to say hats off. And I appreciate that uh, about you. That Thanks, word. man.
1: Appreciate that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so if people want to find out a little bit more about what's happening to Belvedere Central or be able to connect with you, how can they find you?
1: Yeah. Uh... Well, I do have a Twitter account, I don't even know what it is I got to look it up here. Um, so, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't post it's at at McP Brett 12 so MCP Brett 12. Um, I've been on Twitter since 2008 I don't post a ton on Twitter but it's a huge source of PD for me and I do retweet things and um, so if people want to follow me on Twitter that's fine. Uh, our website is is pretty pretty good at Central. There's a whole lot about proficiency-based grading, and um, there's a lot of good material there. Um, that's about it. I don't have a big. I mean, I have a Facebook, but I don't think anybody really wants to see my Facebook. So, <laughs> Twitter, website, and email are probably the easiest ways to get a hold of me.
0: Yeah, and I'll tell you, just just being so close to Belvedere, they when when Brett talks about being progressive, I mean, they are definitely you know, with a school of of 3,000 and even a district of close to 10,000, uh, we still look to Belvedere, uh, you know, for a lot of things. I mean, there's, there's just some great work that's going on. Um, you know, especially within the competency and proficiency based, uh, grading and so forth. So I know there's a lot of people who are venturing into that and I'm sure, you know, people who listen or will listen to this episode, will will probably latch on and say, Hey, I want to know more about it and just connect. So, uh definitely reach out. And if you have a problem getting a hold of Brett, let me know. Um, I'm real <laughs> close to him. <laughs> Sometimes we gotta we gotta track him down, but uh, you know, that's Brett. He moves and grooves, man. So yeah, uh, Brett, man, I appreciate you being on the podcast today. Um, it's always great to to talk to you and and see the great work that you're doing and and knowing that you keep kids first. So uh thank you and I appreciate you.
1: Hey, thanks, Marcus. Good to see you, buddy. Enjoy the rest uh, of
0: your summer. Awesome. You too, man. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode of Unapologetic Leadership. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus J. or you can visit me on my website, drmarcusbelen.com. I would love to connect with you. Remember, take care of yourself. Be well, stay safe, and be unapologetically you.